everybody. Welcome back to our 284th edition of Sci-Fi Watcher. Glad you could join us tonight as we watch something I've been waiting for for a while now. Glad you could join us as always. I'm Corey Shret. That's Brian Lee. Brian, what's going on? Hey, Corey. Good to be here. I am excited. Always fun. I am excited. This is something you had shown me many, many months ago. Well, I mean, I thought it was interesting. I thought we could, you know, it's in our wheelhouse. Tom Selleck in a science fiction movie just come out. Who would have thunk, you know? It begs to be watched. It begs to be watched. And Michael Crichton directing and writing, come on. Yes. But before we get into that, let's get into some news this week. And you've got an update on Cowboy Bebop. Uh, This is exciting news. So everyone and their brother has tried to start something with Cowboy Bebop. There was many false starts along the way. Um... But we finally got word that Netflix is going to be making a uh, Cowboy Bebop TV show. And they've got their cast. Uh, they announced their cast. So playing the the main character, Spike, is going to be John Cho. Um, then we've got Mustafa Shakir from Luke Cage playing Jet. Uh, Daniela Pineda from Jurassic uh, World Fallen Kingdom will be playing Faye. Uh, Alex Hassel will be playing the villain Vicious. Um, that's what we got so far. Um, I know you haven't seen the anime yet. Nope. So not knowing anything, what do you think of this cast? It sounds like a great cast. But I'm hoping, and we've seen movies like this before, where you don't just rely on having a great cast. You better have a great story to go with it, too. Yeah, and the thing is, I this article doesn't say this, but I read another article where they said they are actually going to be consulting, you know, the writer of the original Cowboy Bebop. So that's good. Hopefully, there's no uh, uh, faking Asians. I don't know what the right word is, like uh, Ghost in the Shell, because mm-hmm. um, the cast is a varied cast. I mean, John Cho is the only Asian on there. Everyone else is a different race. So, well, what if they don't make this an Asian centric show? What if they just say it's Cowboy Bebop, but we're going to have a white person, we're going to have an African American, we're going to have an Asian? What if they just do it that way and just not make it Asian centric? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. That the fans are going to be the the termination on that mm-hmm. um, because they've tried this before with uh, another show called Death Note, which was a you know. A huge success for the anime, um, but then they tried to they whitewashed it and it didn't translate. Yeah, and then of course another thing, and I've I've heard this before is with Asians too. Even if you have an Asian cast, some people, specifically Asians, complain like if you get a a, a person that's Japanese to play a Chinese character or something like that, and I've seen it on television before, people don't like that either. Right. And John Cho is Korean, so that's going to be different. Yeah. He's not Japanese. That's so. yeah. So I, yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, so is this going to be new Cowboy Bebop material or is it going to basically just be rehashing of the material that we have out there? Don't know. Don't know. Don't know. That's good. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to be it's going to be interesting. I think we should talk about it. We should review it when it comes out because I have not seen the original Cowboy Bebop, which I don't think I should watch until I watch this. You've seen the original. 
so we can get two different perspectives on this show. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be interesting. Maybe I might love it. You might hate it or vice versa. So you don't want to watch it before watching? I think I think maybe we shouldn't watch it. So I don't have a, a, a prior – I don't have an opinion on it already. I don't come in with preconceptions. All right. Because I know I nothing. I think it would be a, a good thought experiment. Yeah. And then I think we should go back and watch Cowboy Bebop and then I'll really probably crap all over this afterwards. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's let's do it that way. That's going to be interesting. So stick with us for that unusual experiment. Uh, have you seen uh, Pan's Labyrinth, the film? I have not. Neither have I. Let's put it on the list. <laughs> okay. Our list is growing over here. Um, well, you know, it's uh, Guillermo del Toro's film, fantasy horror film, about a young girl dealing with psychological trauma. It's really, from what I've seen from it, it looks really messed up, which is it's, it's a good thing. It's well, out there. Yeah. Well, along with the co-writer Cornelia Funk, Funk, Funke, <laughs> Um, they're actually making a another Pan's Labyrinth uh, novel, actually. Pan's Labyrinth, The Labyrinth of Fawn, an adaptation of the original film that will retell the story of how Ophelia, believing herself to be a long-lost princess, descends into a demon-filled underworld in hopes of being reunited with her father, the king. I have nothing to say because I ne- haven't seen it. <laughs> well, the fact that Del Toro is involved with it gives it a little more, you know, authenticity, a little more, you know, legitimacy i wonder if they're going to make the novel and then shop it around and and make the movie you know i think so i that's what i'm i have a feeling because really i mean that's how it is nowadays if you try to make something the movie first right you may not have an audience but if you build the novel and the novel succeeds then yeah they'll they'll bank it yeah and del toro has has some clout behind him so that that definitely does help right so, yeah, I think maybe we should watch that film sometime. I mean, I've always wanted to watch it and uh, never got around to it. Add it to the list, our Add growing list. Our growing list. So we talked about this a few weeks ago, how Disney now owns Fox and pretty much everything else. And it looks like they want to make make what? Make more alien movies, of course. Which is, I don't know, I, I just thought that was the norm i thought that's gonna be yeah no big deal but it was never officially announced but uh at cinemacon 2019 uh disney made the announcement that they do plan to continue the alien franchise with new films um it was never really confirmed until now so look forward to more aliens awesome awesome uh, one thing i mean i'm not a fan of the 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 franchise lately i mean the one thing about the Alien franchise as a whole is they've never rebooted it. It's always been sequels and prequels in the same universe. How would you reboot it? What would you say? You mean like reboot it with a new Ripley? Yeah, yeah. They've never rebooted it. Everything is in the same timeline. You know, even in the yeah. AVP, even the AVP stuff is the same timeline as the original Alien film. Well, I mean, there was no time travel aspect to this, so. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm, but I'm saying they didn't say, okay, we're going to ignore these other films. We're going to make something completely different. It's all the company. It's the same company. You get the same actors to play, you know, younger versions of themselves or whatever. And I like the fact that they still they're still in the same universe with this one. Oh, okay. I thought you were trying to say you want it to change. No, 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 no. Don't change it. Don't, don't, don't create a new Ripley. I, I don't want to see a new Ripley. 
Okay, because yeah, I'd be upset about it if they did yeah. that. Continue, do something new. The The universe is big enough where you can have aliens elsewhere. It doesn't have to be on a ship that we're familiar with or anything. Just be another part of the another part of the galaxy or somewhere on Earth or wherever they want. And a little self-promotion, we're reviewing a bunch of alien shorts. So Check them out. They come out Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern time. We've done the first two, and there's four more to go. Perfect. So... Vin Diesel appeared with James Cameron in a a video on Instagram announcing Vin Diesel is going to be in the Avatar films. Okay. That's cool, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, all all I can think of is uh, Riddick, Riddick meets Pandora. Yeah, I seen that little video that they posted there on Instagram where it's just just uh, Vin Diesel and uh, James Cameron like, hey, he's going to be in an Avatar film. Okay, well, well what's he going to play? That's what I want to know. Is he going to be blue or not? Yeah. Is, is it, it going to say I am Groot? Is it going <laughs> to be a major enough role? Is it going to be a little piece? I mean. Is he going to be a holy CG? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. It's just the fact that they're making, what, four more films in this series? They're filming them back to back. If you watch that video, he said they're working on four that's at the, once. That's the way to do it, though. If you got the same actors in all the films and you could commit them to like a year, do it. It's James Cameron. That's, that's crazy, though. Oh, it is, but it, it gives the continuity better. You look at it this way: if you can, if you film, first of all, the special effects are going to be mind blowing, as as we know. And if you film them back to back, at least you get a quicker turnaround time. If you take breaks to film them, it's going to be three, four years at least before the next film comes out in the series. And plus, you know, most of it's going to be mocap, so you know they can do all that at once. And then once they've got you captured, they can. All they need you for is lines at, at that point. Right. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's the best way to do these type of films, to be honest with you. I wonder if these next films are going to be 100% CG. I have a feeling that's what it's going to be. You're not going to see real world people. You're going to see James Cameron's version that looks so photorealistic that you can't even tell. I don't know. James Cameron's amazing. I, I, I don't know if we're going to get that, but. That's my theory. <sighs> 100% CG for all the films. It, it's it, all going to take, take place in Pandora. It's got to be freaking amazing looking to do that. Because, because you know, you've seen some quote, quote unquote photorealistic things. And it, there's just a little something off. And, and once you catch that, you really can't get into it 100%. But I think that's why James Cameron is a person that's doing this. He can make it look n- natural. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they'll probably each make like a billion dollars. Right, he's actually saving them money by filling them back to back, though. That's true. That really is true. Yeah, and plus he's got enough clout to be able to do that. <laughs> right, but we will have to wait and see for James Cameron's Avatar two, three, four, five, whenever they come out. <laughs> All right, uh, Francis Ford Coppola. I don't think that's a name we've actually mentioned ever before on this show, but you've got something that he's talking about doing. Yeah, and he's been talking about doing this since the 80s, which is kind of crazy. 
Yeah, Francis Ford Coppola is not a name you would say in the sci-fi realm because he's never done a sci-fi film. But um, he wrote a film script back in the 1980s, and it's an epic film called Megalopolis. Um, it's, I guess, maybe loosely based off of Metropolis from the sounds of it. Uh, it's talking about an architect dreaming of a utopic version of of New York city in the near future as he's battling with a conservative mayor, uh, also some, I guess, uh, gangs and things like that. And it was originally going to have a lot of named actors in it. Uh, Warren Beatty, Parker Posey, Robert, De uh, Robert De Niro, Russell Crowe, Nicholas Cage, Paul Newman, James Gandolfini, you know, all these people were attached to this when it was originally supposed to come out. Um, now they started shooting second unit footage, second unit footage, right before 9/11, and then after 9/11 happened, I guess he kind of shelved it. Um, his ideas changed, but it sounds like now he's ready to bring this back on board. Um, and and I don't know. It it sounds interesting. I mean, he's 80 years old now. This is probably going to be the last film we see from him. Mm -hmm. If he can pull it off. It sounds interesting, but I don't know. A film that's been sitting around for 35, 40 years. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. It just it, it reminds me of Terry Gilliam trying to make that, that Don Quixote film forever and a day. He, he did that, though. Yeah, and you know what happened, right? It's in courts or something right now. Right, because he doesn't have the rights to make, to, to make a film. Yeah. <clears throat> Which is funny. But – um. I don't know. Something like this, I'm curious to see, because it's probably changed so much since the original Inception back in the 80s. Right. The city has changed. Times has changed. So, I mean, if he pulls it off, it'll be, it sounds stunning. If you, if you remember the Metropolis movie mm -hmm. that came out, if it looks anything like that, but modernized, I think it could be epic. We haven't seen a lot from Fran Francis Ford Coppola, so yeah, he's made one of the best movies ever made arguably oh yeah i mean apocalypse now for crying out loud is phenomenal yeah godfather he, godfather one and two both academy award winners you know i mean yeah he has a pretty good track record with some of the stuff he's done and if this is up there in that level this is going to be an amazing film yeah all right, let's get on to the movie of the week here called runaway which came out december 14th 1984 written and directed by michael crichton Starring Tom Selleck, Cynthia Rhodes, Gene Simmons from Kiss, <laughs> Kirstie Alley, Stan Shaw, G.W. Bailey, and a bunch of other people. Now, this is pretty much, well, looking back now, this is pretty much an all-star cast. It was at the time, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, Kirstie Alley, if you look at Kirstie Alley, all we really knew her from at this point was like Star Trek 3, I believe, three, 2 or 3, one of those, or both of those. This is before Cheers, then? This is before Cheers, 1984. Okay. Before Cheers. Uh, Gene Simmons was from Kiss, which is mind-blowing that you would hire Gene Simmons to be an actor in 1984. Tom Selleck. And Tom Selleck, Magnum P.I. Ma still, right? Yeah, he's on Magnum P.I. G.W. Bailey, which, of course, everyone, once you see him, you know who he is. He's from the Police Academy films. Yeah. As a police chief, yep. just like this. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's not much of a change here, and... And uh, so I'm like, wow, this is kind of a, you know, and Michael Crichton, who wrote, 
you know, um, Jurassic Park, uh, Andromeda Strain, Congo, a Westworld. lot. Westworld. He created the TV show ER. I mean, got a lot of stuff there. Yeah. So I figure this is going to be a mind blowing film with that. You'd think. I love the fact, and my wife mentioned the music. I love the fact this film starts off basically screaming to you, this is the 1980s. Here's your traditional 1980s sci-fi soundtrack. Sci-fi synthesizer mm-hmm. soundtrack, yes. Yes. Yeah. It's like I've seen 10 films that start off the exact same way as that. I like how the beginning is just looking at circuit boards. Mm-hmm. You know, just zooming in on circuit boards. Yeah, it's futuristic. It's put the green circuit boards up and it's like, okay, we, I mean, if I was watching this, I never watched this as a kid, but if I watched this as a kid, I would be freaking out. Yeah. And me too. I've never heard of this film before until you found like a clip on YouTube or something. Wasn't it YouTube you found this on? Oh, it was on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. But you found like a trailer or something. You said, look at this trailer. Like what in the heck is this? Oh yeah. I found the trailer. I was like, let's watch this. I mean, it, it looked appealing. I mean, you know, <laughs> Magnum P.I. is a future cop is basically it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he plays Jack Ramsey, who, of course, like every cop film there is, he gets a brand new partner. The young, attractive female joins him as they work for the runaway squad, which is basically they go out and they they capture, destroy, get under control robots that have their programming has been changed and they basically have a mind of their own and do what they're not programmed to do. Yeah. And it was so funny seeing like robots, you know, like they're a commonplace in the eighties. It's just so bizarre, man. Yeah. Well, like the whole, that the whole agricultural robot at the beginning where it was like, Oh, I got a robot in the loose. That's a, it's a, whatever the model number is. And they go out there and it's like, and, and and there's a couple those guys could have caught that was that robot. I thought it was stupid. That was stupid. But the fact that they're in the helicopter and he's having panic attacks because he doesn't like heights. You're like, oh, OK, let me write that down. So later in the film, when this part comes up, yeah, I'll remember it. You know, it's like certain cliches. Totally telegraphed. Yeah, it's yeah. like, hello. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and it's like, OK, you're the new you're the rookie. Let's go with me and I'll show you how how to stop a runaway robot. Yeah, it's carbon copy cop drama. Yeah, and and then of course you find out the real story of why he's doing this. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I and they talk about how he followed a guy in a building that was under construction, but the guy got away and he killed six people. And he blames himself for it. Mm-hmm. That's why he can't be on the regular force. So he's going to do the the runaway force. I mean, that part's a little original, I guess. I mean, having a force that that is just solely for catching robots, I think is kind of cool. That is original. That part is original. That's original. Yeah. <clears throat> I I think the – okay, how about – I don't know if you thought this was mind-blowing, but I this was the mind-blowing part to me. I was like, oh, my mother effing God. So there's the part where there, they go to another house where there's a robot inside, first of all, that has like a, a 357 Magnum that, that, that shoots people. Right. He grabs their gun. He killed. He kills, the, like the wife and somebody else, a kid. Wife or and the daughter. Wife and the daughter. I didn't write that down. But the fact that they were going to send in a floater camera blew my yeah. mind. Were Were you free? Were you like, oh my god? They actually talk about a drone in 1984. 
I thought that was cool. I, I saw the little lines and everything, but it was still cool. But it was a round device that flies and has a camera on it. I mean, granted, it wasn't legitimately flying, but the fact that they actually created a drone for this film, basically. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was great. I was like, oh my god, Michael Crichton predicted the drone. Um, but it wasn't hard that hard to predict though. No, but the way the, the design of it and stuff like that was like, oh my god, you kind of pr- created something 25 years ahead of its time or whatever. It was pretty close, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was. It wasn't like really let's make it look like a really fancy a futuristic robot. It was just like it looked kind of like a drone you could buy today. But the the funny thing is 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 whenever he shows up, he's like I'll just do it myself, you know, mm-hmm. like throwing himself into it. Like no cameras. I can handle it though. You know, oh, that, and, and there was another cliche part too. Uh, first of all, he puts on this electromagnetic scanner suit, which I don't understand what the purpose of that was supposed to be for. I mean, cause it's like, so the robot couldn't pick up his heat signature, you know, something like that. Even though it was shooting at him pretty good though. Mm-hmm. And then the whole his head wasn't, wasn't yeah. you know blocked so. yeah that's the thing it's like all right i am right around here i'll be over here and then of course the 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 facepalm moment with with the cameraman follows him in the house i'm like <sighs> could telegraph what's going to happen next that's purely for the audience there when that happened but you see it going on you're like all right he's gonna die isn't he he's gonna die yeah i did like his laser though his <laughs> I, laser weapon it's kind of funny though pew pew and they, the the robot shooting a gun at him and blowing holes in the wall and he's like chew 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 We're like okay <laughs> okay that's funny <laughs> um yeah I did not expect that no, no that he would have a laser a laser weapon I thought he'd come in there with a gun it, it wasn't even like a laser gun it was I don't even it looked almost looked like a, a police laser thing you know for speed detection. Like it was no, of, it looked like it was burning because he shot at the ground and the ground burnt. You know, yeah, whoop de do. I don't know. It just didn't look intimidating enough com- to compared to the gun. I think Michael Crichton's like, oh, Star Wars that has lasers. We can do lasers. Yeah. That's futuristic. Of course, he saves the day, but the father disappears. Hmm. Yeah. But uh, and then of course he goes home, and there's the annoying son asking a million questions. Mm-hmm. Which obviously telegraphs what's happening in the future. Did you see that one coming from that po- moment on? Which one? Which part? Well, the fact that he has a son, you're like, okay, this is going to play a part later on in the film. I didn't think about that at the time, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of like, okay, why would you have this in here? Um, Just to show his home life, you know. And his little, then you've got the domestic robot, Lois. Which looks like a slot machine, which which is a tattletale in... It's funny is is she's there to take care of the kid, but she fed him hot dogs because that's all he would eat. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, so you bend over backwards for this kid and you tattle. He was up an hour and 45 minutes past his dead time. Uh Oh, he's got something on in his room. It's like, Jesus. <laughs> well, the funny thing about that scene was when he was saying, what did you feed him while there's hot dogs in a in a bowl in front of him and buns? Like, yeah. Uh, it's look down. You would have known what you you're a, ate. You're a cop. You couldn't figure that out on your own. Yeah. Of course, we find out his wife died a couple years ago. Blah blah blah. You're the usual. That part's cliche. Yeah. Yeah, a little cliche. But I did like the idea that they took apart that robot that was shooting the gun, and it had a non-standard chip in it because basically that's what it is. Is people modify these robots 
to do other things and sometimes modifying them, you know, counteracts the original programming and they, they go erratic and do whatever they want to do. But they also blatantly put a red stripe on it to, you know, okay, it a, stands out now. A black chip with a red stripe and it's basically, look here, here, look here. Yeah. But I did like the idea that the chip burns up though after a while, once you start looking at it. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> that was that was kind of a great idea. Um, here's another thing, even though it's over the top hokey, but they basically had a, I would say a doorbell with a camera on it. Oh, were they leaving messages? Yeah. I mean, you know, it was so funny. People like walk up there to leave a message and then leave, you know? Yeah. I'm thinking like we got the doorbells nowadays. That's kind of like that. I'm like, Hey, they kind of predicted that too in the, in the past there. So they predicted ring. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, pretty much that's what it is. That's what I put. Uh, but uh, the one part, it's kind of weird, though. I guess it must have gone. But uh, the Gene Simmons character, uh, Luther, pretends to be a repairman. And, you know, he shows up to the door, but, like, part of the tape gets erased. It's like, hmm. The thing about Gene Simmons is, like, his face is always a scowl. Yeah. Even when, you know, when he was the repairman, his face never changes. He's no. just mean looking the whole time. And he doesn't really have any um, emotions. No. You know, it's yeah. like, uh, okay. Put on your mean face the whole time. All right. <laughs> and that's it. And talk the same way the whole movie. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Bring yeah. the girl here. Drop off the templates there. Do this. Do this. I'm like, that's all he said. It sounded like through the whole film. And he wasn't hired again for anything after that. <laughs> Well, then you got a reality show called uh, the Family Jewels or Jeans Jewels or whatever the hell it was called. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, um, because he's uh, he works at this company or I, does he? Own, I think he owns the company, Vetrocom. He owns the company, yeah. Vetrocom that makes these chips, these illegal chips, right? That he wants to go sell to whoever will pay him, basically. Yeah, whichever country will pay the ba the highest price, basically. Yeah. And he has, wants the template also, because once you have the template, you can make them yourself. Yeah. And how cheesy are these templates? They're just like photographs, you know? Yeah. yeah it was really hokey photographs, too. It's like, okay, that's the future for you. Yeah. But I thought it was kind of weird where the, the guy's like, you know, in the room with him. He looks back. Luther's gone. And he has the briefcase with money. And, of course, it's basically just paper. And then these small robots show up, attack him. <laughs> Those robots are so cheesy looking. The little spiders that like shoot acid out and have needles. first of all people just stand there while the robots approach you and they're not very fast no you could kick those things that's the thing <laughs> i like okay wow you're gone unless there was a lot yeah. of them i mean it's like okay you get a couple of them whatever but I, I, I then we cut away and they're looking for the guy johnson who was the father that disappeared and i love this and just like a gee whiz thing i love the fact that they go to a hotel and they find out he's in room 404 and like 404 is the code for the internet for page not found. I'm like, okay. But that wasn't around back then. I wonder. It wasn't the, no internet wasn't invented until like 1989. So I just thought it was funny. I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. I didn't realize that. Yeah. I'm like, that's a good one. I'm like 404 page not found. I'm like, cool. <laughs> I'm a little geeky there. He also bugged the door. That was kind of cool. Yeah. I did like that. He had an alarm or something on the door. Yeah, which I, I didn't understand how this alarm works. So when the door opens, it just screams at him and he's trying to shoot. And, oh, you really are a cop. 
Yeah. But I, I, everyone's afraid of this Luther character, which I, I kind of liked. He was just, you know, just your atypical bad guy. Yeah. What do you think of these? I, I want to call them smart bullets. These. That's what they're called. Yeah. The, okay. Where And you get it from that first person perspective. He shoots the bullets and they like go around things. Like that was the coolest part of this movie. Yeah. Um, that first person perspective. I don't think that existed before this. I, you know what? I didn't think about it, but I think you're right. I think that's this is the first time we've actually seen that. Because it actually went through a tube, went around a building, looped around some crates, you know. Right. Which I thought it was had great. a little bit of CG to it because when they, they they panned out and you saw it like go up, yeah, it was it, it was had some CG to it, but it, it was so quick you barely it wasn't enough time to really look at it and, and analyze it though. Yeah, I thought it was good. I mean, if I was watching this in the theater in the eighties, I thought I'd be impressed. Oh yeah. You know? And what do you think of the uh, so you know they're trying to figure out who this guy is? What you th- would you think of the facial recognition? Not facial recognition, but when you know when you go into talk to a, a cop and they do the the sketch drawing or whatever it is the the mm-hmm. the rent artist rendition or whatever. What do you think of them doing it like on a quote unquote tablet and picking different eyes and stuff like that? I think that was genius. That that's like our iPad of today. You know, it was kind of cool. Yeah, granted, it was a little thicker and stuff, but I love the idea. It's like okay, no, it's this eye. Okay, that's better. I was like. Why didn't we have that like 10 years ago or 15 years ago? Maybe we do. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. I haven't, gone to pr- I haven't gone to the police station to do stuff like that. But yeah, I thought that was genius. What about, the, what about that robot dog that basically the head was like a vacuum? The robot dog. I don't remember yeah, that. It was a quick scene. It was like, I'm like, I wrote it down like, robot dog looks like a vacuum. I, was like, I guess they're trying to show us the future. Oh, okay. I don't uh, remember that scene. All right, so we went to Vetricon. Uh, they go, they look up his, his PR file, which looks like his HR file, which really didn't have anything in it. But I love the fact that there's a, a runaway robot inside the building, mm-hmm. which shoots electricity out of it. <laughs> I didn't quite get where that why that robot was there. Why was a robot programmed to shoot electricity? I think they said it's like for inmates. Mm-hmm. At the security place, or uh, I, don't, I did not it's, know. It seemed weird because it was there basically keeping an eye on Kirstie Alley's character. Yeah. Wh- which got a little creepy because Tom Slug's like, whoa, she's like a hottie and stuff. I'm like, whoa, what the hell? Yeah. He, he was like interested in her hardcore. It's like, what? But it, it was quickly, it was quickly gone though. It was just like one little scene and didn't, he didn't pursue it later. Yeah. That's the weird thing. It was like, it almost like Michael Crichton was like, I'm going to write this. Then he f- totally forgot about it and said, oh, I'll just go on screw it. Leave it there. Yeah. It, it's just weird. It was a weird scene. It was just a, something only in the eighties you'd see. Yeah. Um, and the whole bug thing with Christy Alley. Like the bug detector mm-hmm. scene where, yeah, it's like how let's let's go PG and let's see how how risque we can get. Yeah, it's like that oh. was totally just for just for you know kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if this was made, if this film was made today or for a different audience, it would have been like, oh look, you have to take your bra off, boobies, you know. Yeah, and it was yeah, it was just like your bra has it, your skirt has it, your heels have it, like. You just want to get her naked, don't you? 
But I like the idea of the bug detector and how it worked made sense, though. Mm-hmm. It made sense because it like zeroed in on the spot where the bug was. Right. Yeah. That was cool. But of course, I just felt it felt awkward. It's like, oh, it's on your shirt. Take your shirt off. Oh, it's on your bra. Take your bra off. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Totally 80s. Totally mm-hmm. 80s. Yeah. It was just a little, a little hokey. It's like, oh, boy. All right. Thank you. Next. Let's keep moving on. <laughs> um. The other piece of tech was the uh, the cars, like the the cop car with the robot inside, the robot driver. And we didn't. I, I wish we really didn't get to look at the robot driver. It was just a mannequin. Yeah, I was. I it kind of reminded me of the robot, and I wish I could think of the name of it from um, Total Recall. Was that the one? Total Recall, like the cab. Yeah, the yeah, cab one. Yeah, I can't think of the name of the, the cabbie. Um, I think Robert Picardo did the voice of it, but yeah, you're looking it up right now. But yeah, that's, I, I was like, I want to see more of this just to see what it looks like. And it was, yeah, it looked like it was just a mannequin and we never, we never saw it driving. It's just like, all right, there it Johnny is. Johnny cab. Johnny okay. cab. Yeah. I was like, okay, this is like a Johnny cab. And then I'm like, my, thinking to myself, why do some cop cars have these Johnny cabs, quote unquote, and other ones not? Mm-hmm. It's like, why didn't he just take a car with him and her in it and say the heck with it? That's the part that I didn't understand. Like, why did he need that? I guess for that scene when they were, you know, changing cars, that was the only reason they they needed another driver. Right. And that person, if he had a person in there, that person would have died. Yeah. I mean, that's the only thing it could have been. But what about all this technology? They had those little tracking devices trying to catch up to the cars and. I thought that was cool. It was kind of fun, but they kept throwing them. I'm like, how many of these things do you guys have to put down there? I mean, since he works for a company and makes stuff like that, he probably has hundreds of them. But I, I think it was kind of obvious. There was a scene that made it obvious that she had the tracking device in her purse. When she grabbed the purse? Yeah. It's like, she, yeah. like she, did she know she had the tracking device in there? Because it was... It's like if, she's, if she knew, why would she... Uh, why would she want to keep it and risk her life? That's you know? that's the thing that bothered me. I didn't I didn't quite understand what we're doing with that. And them crossing the cars was kind of hokey. It was, it was. Yeah, but it, it, it went the way I expected it to go. It's kind of like okay, we know we know how this car chase is going to end. Yeah, I mean, it kept my attention during that. Oh yeah, mine too. I mean, it was st- it was still enjoyable. Hmm. Um, we get to the, the, uh, the whole, when they're outside getting sushi and Luther's there with, with his partner mm-hmm. and you know, they, he's like, all right, bring her, bring her over, sit down and then we'll, we'll switch, you know, the old traditional, you know, you, you know, you give me your hot, my hostage, you give me your hostage. I'll give you my hostage at the same time type of thing. Right. And he had planted a bug inside the the plans or whatever the templates Mm -hmm. which is very obvious to see it's like he just stuck it inside the slide yeah like he wouldn't check that yeah i mean hello (laughs) and 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 then my 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 bs thing went off when they switch sides and she goes over gives it to him hugs and kisses him and then she gets stabbed in the back of the neck and falls in the water and nobody moves yeah Nobody looks, nobody blinks, nobody stands up. It's just like she's dead in the water and there's blood coming out of her. And Tom Selleck doesn't see this happen. And yeah, nobody nobody notices this. 
And there's no remorse either when it happens. Like, oh, well, she died. Yeah. <laughs> this girl I thought who was hot and I liked her. Yeah. She's dead, gone. And then, End of scene. Yeah. I'm like, what? I'm like, that's it? Yeah. And and nobody cares. That was a weird that was a weird scene. <clears throat> Until they start shooting, nobody cares. Yeah. Like, well, they're I guess they're all in their own element, you know, on their table. They don't care about what's going on. Yeah, but you figure well, yeah, if somebody falling in the water, I think would have got everyone's attention. A loud splash, you would have gone, What's that? I mean yeah. but nobody, nobody blinked. Um, um I guess the next scene is when Luther goes and looks up Bobby's info. Yeah, the, in his terminal. Now, okay, now here's a little fun thing for you. And Michael Crichton said this about the film. So, Tom Selleck's character is fifth. Was born in 1950. He's 35 okay. years. He's 35 years old. Makes it 1985. Okay. Tom Selleck was actually born in 1945, so he's technically f- four years older than his character because it came out in 1984. Okay. <clears throat> I just thought it was a little genius. So it's actually 1985 when this film takes place. This futuristic film. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a fantasy world. This is a fantasy version of 1980, 1985. Yeah. Because they, they, um, don't, they don't say it anywhere else in the movie that's 1985 or anything. There's no nothing about presidents or current events or anything. It's just it's robots. That's it. Oh, are you saying this could be in the far future? I, is it supposed to be in the far future? Well, no, it's... Well, Michael Crichton never specified the year. He said it was going to be like a year out, but what do you think? It's a big jump from 1984 to 1985 when the film. I know. Yeah. I can see maybe 10 years, 15 years or something, but that's just a lot for one year. But I think. I like the little eyeball thing, too, that he, uh, that Luther had. Yeah. Where did he get that from? Did he make it? I mean, because you have to have, like, I guess the retina scan of some, somebody that works at the police station. Well, I think it's his retina scan. It has to be uh, uh, Tom Selleck's. Really? Yeah, because it's his terminal. It's his personal terminal. That oh, he that's got true. On. He logged. Yeah, that's right. He logged into his terminal. Well, in fact, he finds that he's a widower. He's a widower. He has a son. But the thing that bothered me was the fact that when he left, he left the file up on the system. I think he did that on purpose. Oh, just to let him know I'm I, I'm I'm watching. Yeah, yeah, of course. <clears throat> No, because he wanted him to go find him. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he goes home. Lois is on the floor, and you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, the the rest of this is kind of telegraphed. When he said, "Uh, you know, meet me at some place." Mm-hmm. Construction. Hello, it's going to be heights related. You yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. But I did like the idea when he gets in the because he has to go alone. He gets in the idea, goes up to in the elevator, and they let the kid go and they put the kid in the elevator. And he says, "Oh, by the way, the spiders are programmed to kill the first person that shows up. The first person that goes back down, right?" And yeah. the kid and I like that. I'm like, "Oh, that's kind of a good idea. That is good. That's smart. Mm-hmm. Smart thinking." But of course, his partner shows up to save the day. Which was a little hokey because I mean, she's like right down there. I'm like, the spiders didn't go after her. Why? They just programmed to get someone that's coming out of the elevator and not going in the elevator. Semantics, man. Semantics. <clears throat> I know. I was questioning a little stuff. Um, 
But the whole thing about them shooting acid, you know, yeah. he said that they shoot acid, right? Yeah. Um, Tom Selleck should have died then, I felt like. <laughs> yeah, he just had burn marks on his face or something. Yeah. And that whole scene with the elevator going way up and the spiders show up and he's got to reset the panel that's underneath and he goes underneath and it's just, it seemed like a really long scene just to fight the those three stupid spiders. It was a really long scene. I always like, I was wanting to fast forward a little bit. I fought the urge to fast forward. It was like, tough. Okay. It, it was, was tough. tough. I'm like, we're almost at the end of the film. I just got, I just got to make it up for a few more minutes, but the, uh, yeah, because then he finally gets them off and he puts the elevator down. I'm like, oh, there's Gene Simmons again. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. We're fighting you. <laughs> yeah, let's finish this up. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, but the, the spider shot him in the face with acid. Right. So his face should have melted off. Yeah, that's the thing. It's just like, oh, he's just got some burn marks on his face. No big deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, unless it's because they have to inject your skin in order to kill you. Maybe. Because that's how Gene Simmons, Simmons died, is they injected him with the acid, you know? Well, and it was kind of anticlimactic. He falls off the elevator, and of course the spiders attack him. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it? Well, what else can you do? And then you had the scene, and, and you knew it was coming. I knew it was coming, yeah. You knew it was coming. This was so obvious when he checks the pulse. Checks the pulse. He screams. He reaches up, and then he, he dies. <clears throat> and like okay whatever. that was the hokiest scene right there it that really was the was, worst scene that was so generic death scene that we've seen every time yeah and then and then like out of nowhere it's like they kiss the partner the, the two cops kiss at the end <clears throat> well not only that if you keep watching through the credits they're kissing the whole time through the credits while sparks are flying i know everywhere I, I, first of all, to me, that kiss was a way too long. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, they're going to kiss fade to credits. Like, okay. Oh, they're still kissing. They're still kissing. Credits still going. They're still kissing. I'm like, could you fade the back black, please? Cause I'm tired of this. They're still kissing. I'm like, holy crap. Yeah. Um, there was another scene that happened that also bothered me during that time. And that's when he went up the elevator and there was like, these robots just sparking away yeah. at nothing. They're just sparking to spark. Yeah. <laughs> Not really working, just sparking. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing I liked about this film, which I, I don't I, I didn't see I haven't seen in many other films, is that the bad guy, Gene Simmons in this film, the bad guy, he is the in the whole film being the bad guy. He doesn't have a bunch of uh, goons doing his work for him. He's doing this stuff all himself. Well, I think he had goons releasing the robots. Yeah, but you know. you, but it's not, but you've seen films before where, oh, I know you're the bad guy, but I got to fight all these other guys first. And then the last battle will be against you. This film, mm-hmm. this film, they go face to face several times in the film, which mm-hmm. I like. You know, it's yeah. it, it's one bad guy. It's not a bad guy with a bunch of people doing his stuff for him. And then at the end, they fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he's just like a carbon copy of a bad guy. He's just yeah, not too, a good copy. Too it's, cliche. Too cliche. Too cliche. Yeah. All, there were there were a lot of boxes I checked off here that we have seen a million times before. Yeah, 
But I will say, like, some of the technology was pretty cool, pretty inventive for the time. It was. I enjoyed the idea of robots going out of control. Um, the fact that we got to see a drone in 1984, a, a doorbell with a camera on it. The smart bullet thing, that's still something we have yet to see. That is That was, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, the robots, yeah, whatever. They're not the, not impressive, but then again, it's 1984 robots. What do you expect? Yeah. I mean, judging by the time it was created, it was, it was cool for its, its day. Any, any favorite scenes in this one? Uh, favorite scenes were the car chase and the, uh, smart bullet. Yeah. I love the car. The car chase was actually pretty good. I love that. Um, they did a great job at that. You really couldn't. I mean, the whole idea of the doors being there and the, the didn't feel like there were stunt people in that one. I mean, it felt pretty good. Uh, I th- yeah, I think they did actually cross, right? It seemed like it. I, I had a feeling the doors were like bolted together on the back hmm. when they did it because the, the doors seemed too perfect. You know what I'm saying? When they were both open. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I was thinking, I think that's why I was thinking was set up. Yeah. Um, Anything that you didn't like? Any bad scenes? I mean, you you kind of touched on that. The the last scene where Gene Simmons and yeah. or Simmons screaming, I mean, was terrible. Some of the robots were a little hokey. Lois was a little hokey. Lois, yeah, Lois served no purpose to me. She was just annoying. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was yeah. Gene Gene Simmons was the worst scene. Um, killing Kirstie Alley and nobody noticing was horrible. Yeah, no remorse for it. Like, no. oh well, I know she's dead. We got a cop who's like, "Oh, she's hot," and then she's dead, and he doesn't even care anymore. It's like, what? No, it was ninety nine minutes. Do. What the heck did you do in ninety nine minutes to go from she's hot to I don't care about you? Yeah, exactly. Uh, best sci fi elements, I would say, uh, the bullets obviously is a great one. Um, I love the drones. The, the drone, the, the the camera thing was great. Uh, I don't know what else. That's all I got. Yeah, we're, we're sci-fi elements. Those stupid spiders are just. Those were the worst of spiders I've ever seen. Any robot spider in a movie. They were just little toys. You can just kick those things. <laughs> they were they were big. They were slow. They weren't threatening at all. I just. <laughs> they were horrible. Yeah. Uh, all right, so scale of one to ten, how would you rate this bad boy? I would rate it a six. Yep, that's it. Six. <laughs> it was fun once. I think you should watch it once at least, just to to watch. Just it. to see it. Just to say you saw it. Just to see it. You saw it. It's it's out there on Hulu or Hulu Amazon Amazon Amazon. It's on yeah. Amazon right now, so you gotta watch. It's it's fun. It's it's fun. Uh, yeah, once is enough for me. Check one and done one and done it's something different a little different it's michael crichton so go check it out it's a fun movie and that's it brian where where can we find you online uh, you can find me on twitter or instagram the name is brian says and of course for all the goodness we have is sayproductions.com slash sci-fi watcher we got so much stuff out there last week we did beyond skyline the sequel to of skyline of course uh sunday we released our alien short for the week called specimen Next week, we do our seventh edition of Sci-Fi Shorts, which I can't wait to do. More of those. Those are so much fun. Tomorrow, check out 
our brand new season premiere, Twilight Zone. We finally get around to talking to the first two episodes that just came out on April 1st. And of course, on Thursday, we begin season three of Rick and Morty. So check all that goodness out at sayproductions.com slash sci-fi watcher. You want to get a hold of us? There's many ways to do it. You can send us an email at sci-fi watcher at sayproductions.com. Drop us a voicemail, 774-327-2948. That's 774-32-SAY-IT. And if you want to watch us live Monday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, that's 12 midnight UTC, head on over to sayitproductions.com slash YouTube. That's it for this week's episode. Hope you all have a great one. Until next time, see you later. <laughs>